All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Binge, power through, or savor, one by one, in or out of order. Whatever you've been doing, this is number three of our special five-pack of podcasts on how to save the planet with a little technology. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and note to self, climate change doesn't have to be a doomsday conversation. In fact, it shouldn't be. Because doomsday isn't an option. We here at Note to Self prefer realistic and constructive. Just like our climate change expert and TED's science curator, David Biello. This time, David and I get into how we can give plants superpowers by editing their genes in a good way, you think. So I want to talk about CRISPR. This is a really big buzzword right now. It's basically genetic editing, right? Yep. How does it relate to the environment? So CRISPR is this kind of wonder tool for genetic engineering. You can both edit genomes that already exist. So say you don't like the fact that tomatoes are red, you want your tomato to be blue, you can cut out that gene and voila, you have your blue tomato. Or you want your tomato to be yellow, you can edit in a gene Mm. to make your tomato yellow. CRISPR is kind of the wonder tool for all that stuff. It's going to have applications from disease. There are many human diseases that are caused by genetic flaws. Those can be edited out. It's a whole Pandora's box, which we won't get into. We're not going to get into that today. Yes. Yes. But CRISPR just kind of opens this whole range of potential applications. And there are some in the environment. Plants are pretty good at photosynthesis, but they're not as good as they could be. And What do you mean they're not as good as they could they're be? Not, they're plants. They're not that efficient. They waste a lot of energy on all these mm, other things like nature, being though. alive. Oh. And, you know, and we don't want them to do that. We want them to just suck up CO2, as much CO2 as they possibly could. So you're saying CRISPR could maybe turn plants into super sucking CO2 plants. That like is exactly right. Like give them a right. boost. Exactly. Superpowered photosynthesis is one potential application. So imagine a corn plant that is not only going to deliver you a succulent piece of sweet corn for your summer table, but also is going to suck more CO2 out of the sky while it's doing that. Okay, so is this happening? Are people making these super powerful plants? Yes, they are. And, you know, the jury's out on how that's going to work in practice. We could also do this to the microscopic plants of the ocean if we wanted them to do a little bit better job. Can we get down there and do that? Absolutely. But again, it involves a lot of manipulation of nature. And that's when people's Uh, kind of alarm bells start to ring and they're like, oh, I don't want GMO corn for one reason or another. Or, you know, I'm not sure that I want this genetically engineered strain of algae kind of released into the wild to outcompete 
the natural strains that have already been out there. Whenever we kind of implement any technology, there turns out to be all these little unintended consequences that so we don't really like. So are you for the CRISPR solution or not so much? Or are you oh, juries out? Uh, I would say that I'm for it because we need to do these experiments. We need to know if we can kind of soup up plants so that they can be the best plants they can possibly be. That's not just for solving global warming. That's also for feeding 10 billion people. Right. Yeah, you know, that little problem. <laughs> but on less land area, right? Uh-huh. So that would also help solve global warming. If we could farm in smaller plots, yet produce the same amount of food, there'd be more room for forests, there'd be more room for natural ecosystems, which are better at sucking CO2 out of the right. sky. It's kind of a win-win. So my feeling is we need to do this. And would we say that this relates to the idea that maybe we should all eat a little less meat and consume a little less dairy as well? Absolutely. Plants are far better at sucking CO2 out of the sky and producing food than animals are at producing protein from plants. Remember I said plants aren't that efficient? Yeah. Compared to animals, they're incredibly efficient. Growing a cow takes so much water and so much corn that it's kind of ridiculous that we eat steak. How does not having your weekly steak save the planet? So it turns out that agriculture— is the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions. After transportation and electricity. Correct. So a cow is essentially a fermentation machine for grass. That's how they live. And when you ferment grass in your stomach, cows have four of them, you produce a lot of methane. Methane is an extremely potent— Yeah, farts. And cows both fart and belch. They release— A ton of methane, and this is why agriculture is such a a large source of greenhouse gases. On top of that, they poop, just like those whales we talked about. Yeah, this seems discriminatory. So when whales were pooping, it was fine, but with cows, it's not okay. It's kind of a distributed versus concentrated problem. So we Mm. tend to keep our cows all together in one small place, and we make a mountain of poop in one small place. Rather than allowing them to kind of range across Uh. the entire western United States and distribute their little dung uh, as they go, we keep them in this little feedlot and make a mountain of poop that then we don't know what to do with. Uh And as that mountain of poop is decomposing, it is also releasing greenhouse gases. So agriculture ends up being this huge source of greenhouse gases. By the way, farming plants isn't great for greenhouse gases either because as we apply nitrogen fertilizer, Mm -hmm. it converts to laughing gas, actually, in the soil, and that is another greenhouse gas. But we got to eat something, so... We do have to eat something, and if we use more precision agriculture, we can kind of solve that problem Mm -hmm. for plants. You can't really stop a cow from belching. So why don't we just make the United States vegetarian? It might even be good for our health, and we would cut down on a ton of CO2 emissions. Absolutely, we could do that, but that seems to be a pretty big cultural shift, and I'm not sure we're there yet. Uh, I mean, I'll take that cultural shift compared to it being 20 degrees hotter outside. That seems like more of a cultural shift. Let's just all go veggie. Yes, or even just eat less meat. That would be huge in its own right. There is precedent for this kind of change. Just think about the shift in attitudes towards smoking over the course of my yes, lifetime. Everybody is, was smoking. It happened so fast, I it feel did. like. It did. And something similar could happen with a vegetarian diet. Okay, let's try. Meatless Mondays, meat 
Tofu Tuesday, Fried Egg Friday. We have to do what we can with our own habits because our meals could change the amount of CO2 in our atmosphere. Sure, beans have their own methane problems. That joke is for my 10-year-old boy. But they are way preferable. And speaking of habits and climate change solutions, I've said this before, and I will say it again. Apologies to you binge listeners. My book, Bored and Brilliant, is coming out in a month, September 5th. All the details are at manoushz.com, because goodness knows the world needs more brilliant and creative thinking. Turns out boredom helps you get there, so you can read about it in the book. Anyway, moving on. In episode four, we're going to manage our CO2 problem in another way. A preview slash hint? Giant vacuum. Hear the roar. That episode is right there waiting for you to listen now. Or later, fine too. The Note to Self team is Jen Point, Kat Aaron, Megan Cunane, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Matt Boynton for his help. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Talk soon. Feed me Feed me all night long. <laughs> That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. <laughs> Cause if you feed me Seymour, I can grow up big and strong. <laughs> 